Hey, welcome to the lounge. I know it's been a while. I know this doesn't sound too great, but uh, I am back. Um, I'll do a little something to talk about that. But this time around, I have Craig Campbell from Nerdburger Games coming back to talk about Good Strong Hands, a game that is double uh, what it needed on Kickstarter as I record this. So he's doing pretty well. Um, check him out at um, NerdBurgerGames.com, uh, and if you go on Kickstarter, you can find that. I'll also drop the link in the show notes. Won't be any after credits this time around, but I will talk to you soon. Later. Last time you were on, you were you were talking about capers. Yes, right. The first capers. Um, yeah, the, done... the actual game. You know, the yeah. the core the core book. Yeah. The core book. Yeah, you've done many things since, since that. <laughs> it's been over two years. It has, um, and uh, you have been uh, quite prolific. I'm I'm very impressed. Um, uh, let's see, you did die laughing, right. Um, which I've heard only good things about, and uh, and I and I really really want to play. Um, you did. Uh, you opened up the Capers universe, yep. which is pretty fantastic. Um, uh, so you've got Capers Noir, Capers Covert, Caper, Capers Offworld, um, uh, even Capers Pirates, which I was super, <laughs> I was super excited to find out about that. Yeah, that's um, just a little PDF. Yeah, um, shorter, but that's shorter. I, I, uh, uh, people who who know, have known me for a long time as a gamer know that I've tried to do um, uh, a campaign I call Powers of the Caribbean for for many years now. <laughs> so I was it, that was kind of a fun uh, fun one, um, and uh, and uh, now um, now you're you're doing uh, good strong hands. Which is, um, I, so so basically, just kind of talking about like all of these projects. You like unique stuff, don't you, Craig? <laughs> I do. I make uh, I make a lot of uh, like unique systems. Like I, I generate, I create a system that is for that game rather than, um, you know, kind of figuring out a system that can be applied to a number of things. Although mm -hmm. I might do something more with the capers, with the card, the playing card system from capers at some point. Um, well, it, I, think, I, did... I think, I think it's a versatile system. I think, I think you could do more with it and I've, I've tinkered with it. I just haven't pulled the trigger on something. I actually wanted to mention, I, I, I think, think it's really impressive that you, um, you set up the creative commons license in an SRD so that people can, can play with it a little bit if they want to. Um, what kind of led to that decision? Um, I figured why not? Uh, there's not a lot of playing card systems out there and I don't know that there's like a really open one that's mm -hmm. available. Um, so I threw that together. I, I was like, you know, I'm doing this on the side, so it's not my bread and butter. So, yeah. you know, like protecting the, the, the system, um, the copyright, that sort of thing is not as important to me. So I figured I could put it out there. Maybe somebody would find a way to spin it into some other game ideas, some other genres. 
Um, and then you, know, you just ask them to attribute my game and that becomes advertising. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, maybe something comes out of that. Maybe like, maybe you get some more people that check out the, the original game. Um, and it just kind of builds from there. Well, that always makes me think of like, um, you know, I heard of, I, I, I heard of, of dungeon world before I ever heard of, uh, uh, apocalypse world. Right. And, you know, and it's, it's like, but because I know dungeon world or because I've, I ended up hearing of dungeon world, um, and, and played a bunch of those games, I know apocalypse world and I've, I've played apocalypse world too. It's the, the rising tide lifts all boats. You know, if people dig the system, people are going to play things in the system. So, um, provided you can find people to make more things in the system. And that's, when, you're a, when you're a little bitty company and a little bitty, relatively little bitty game like capers, um, it's not as easy to do. I do, I do know of people who are tinkering with it, who may do something with it. It's just a question of whether or not they get it to that point. So mm-hmm. I'm waiting to see. Neat. I'm waiting to see. That's very cool. <laughs> um, so, um, so between capers and this, uh, you die laughing. Um, tell me about the response to die laughing. Um, die laughing. It did well enough on Kickstarter. You know, like it, it got like all my games, they're all kind of, you know, very genre, very niche. Um, and, uh, you know, there's not a lot of it. There, there's, there's a lot of horror games, but there's not a lot of comedy games that are, or games that are really geared to, to make comedy happen. Although, you know, as much as, you know, comedy happens <laughs> at most tables. Um, <laughs> but, it was uh, like it, it, it's got a nice little following. There's people that swear by it. So yeah. I've got, I've had, I've had people contact me and say, you know, die laughing is our Friday night thing. We play it. We play die laughing every, every Friday, just, you know, like a one shot of die laughing. Um, I've had people s- send me uh, their custom monsters that they designed to use like, you know, just in their game. Um, and uh, there's a few people that uh, uh, who have like um, some reach with, podcasts and um streams uh and actual play kind of stuff who like die laughing is is their go-to for a gm-less kind of shorter game um so you know it's got its fan base (laughs) that's fantastic Um, and i think uh i think there's there's room there's definitely room in the rpg community for more games that um meld comedy into um a various genres it's just that it's tricky mm-hmm. comedy is tricky to do and i'm not saying die laughing is like any masterpiece of comedy it's just built around the idea of taking classic horror movie monsters and making the funny version of them and then mm-hmm. just telling everybody okay now make a b movie you know make a make a silly movie where all your characters are going to get killed and, and have their deaths be as funny as possible um so you know just like it took a long time to be honest. Mm-hmm. Die laughing was like that game was in, in my head for over a decade um, or some variation of that game. Um, yeah. it, it went through some iterations and it took me until I hit on the idea of you're playing characters in a horror comedy movie um, before it clicked and became something because then I could kill the character off and have, and the player would still have something to do because then they become a producer on the movie and they continue to, to influence the movie and yeah. the story that's being told. Um, because uh, that's one of the downfalls of horror 
games is like, well, what do, what do I do when my character dies? Well, you make another character. Uh, well, like, yeah, if you can just if you can just make a new character every time. What's the what's the what's the threat to yeah. the character um, in a horror game? If like if it's if it's built in that you're going to be killing characters off, so I give people something else to do. <laughs> that makes sense. It is, it is. It is called always kind of a. Um, that's one of the issues I've always had with horror games. Is like, you know like you, you know your your character dies in the game um like call of cthulhu being the, the one example i've played uh quite a bit of years ago and it's like your character's dead well i guess you're not playing with us for the rest of the night like like well that's this isn't fun like isn't this a game this is supposed to be fun well um, that was the that was the initial challenge for me um, the reason that I made the game in the first place was to create a horror game where you had something to do after your character died. And it mm-hmm. went through different iterations. Like the, it, originally the game was tentatively titled one of them and it was, it was a horror game, but it was always um, types of horror games where your character doesn't get killed. Rather they get transformed or possessed or something. Mm-hmm. So it's vampires or it's zombies or it's uh, like demon in possession or it's ghostly possession or something like that. And so when your character gets like eliminated, um, you become like your character is okay. Well now you're a vampire. And so you would become part of the GM's team, so to speak, and you would still get a chance to play your character, but now as the monster, mm. Um, and the idea, the hope, the idea that I went after was that you'd start off with like, it's the GM and you got a bunch of players at the table. And then as the game goes, some of those players are now playing characters that are kind of sided, so to speak with mm-hmm. the GM. And so the other players all are all of a sudden outnumbered. Um, and it would give you this sense of like what a character in a horror story would go through where like their, their friends are getting picked off and like there's less and less support and help for them should things go bad. Yeah. And that would be happening at the table the whole time. Yeah. Um, but I never could quite get that particular version of the game to gel. That's a hard feel to, to accomplish. I, and comedy and comedy and horror have so much in common too, that I feel like, you know, leveraging it to, to like, Oh, let's get some laughs out of it. Like that's, I think that that's a, a solid way to go. You, do you have, um, uh, improv background training? Um, I do have some, I performed at the Bristol Renaissance fair in Southeast Wisconsin for six summers, um, okay. and took, uh, improv classes and, and taught improv and did street theater at the fair and all that sort of thing. So I played, you know, I, I played, played a character where I was in character for nine hours a day. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, it was all improvisational. Um, and my characters tended to gear toward, like I was going for the laugh, you know, I was, yeah. I tended to play characters that were trying to entertain by being funny. Uh, so there, yeah, that's, that's in there. That's one yeah. of the, t- one of the tools in my, uh, in my pocket for when I play games. It's, it's one of those things that's very notable in your design is that, um, is that you you utilize uh, uh, improv um, elements? I've done improv for for twenty years. What I, th- I think we've discussed before, mm-hmm. um, and uh, improv comedy specifically. Right. Um, those improv drama troops not doing so great. Um, <laughs> Long form improv <laughs> drama. Hey, you can do it. I mean, I I kind of did it with some of that street theater stuff. It's 
it's the biggest thing is just trying to not go for the joke. You just like, you want to push the story, push the story, push the story. Yeah. And um, it's not really terribly different from like when you, if you're playing an RPG, that's really immersive where people yeah. are very much in character a lot. It's not terribly different. You're just moving around more. Whereas at an RPG, you tend to probably be sitting at a table or, you know, everybody's in a living room or something like that. I would very much like to try it. I've actually said this before. Um, one of the things that I think I, uh, that, uh, that we've talked about in our group is um, doing like a host of murder type things. Um, and I'm not just thinking of that because of your background from uh, um, oh, the Knives Out, which is an amazing movie. <laughs> yeah, I've got the Knives Out <laughs> wall of the, the lattice full of knives behind me on Zoom. Um, but uh, the um, but like doing something like that, I f- feels like you could you know you could actually get some some drama out of it. I don't know. I, I'd very much like to try it because I love role playing and I I love doing uh, improv. Um, but I I I enjoy though that that the mixing of horror and 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 uh, comedy is something that you're able to build with both those those tools as well like with with improv tools well they go together well because the the best horror stories are build up build up scary you know tense creepy you know maybe gory build up build up build up release yeah and a joke you know or a comedic moment is the is a great way to release so you can build up and release and build up and release and build up and you can create a rhythm in the game um which, you know, I, I tried to facilitate, tried to replicate with good, strong hands. Now, you're also at the whim of the dice a little bit, so you don't necessarily kill characters as regularly. So mm-hmm. the build-up to, like, the, the, the bad moment when the character's going to die and, or, or you're going to play up the creepy factor or anything like that doesn't necessarily come as evenly as you might like. Um, like, you know... the horror movie um in action movies do the same thing too it's action sequence you know story and funny action sequence mm-hmm. story and funny well in in um i i uh i'm glad you, you transitioned to good strong hands because i actually wanted to talk about like it does kind of have that that escalation though um and you know and i and i think of 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 comedy uh in in that way of like you know cr- crafting a good joke there's there's this this element i don't do stand up um i have a have before um but i i don't do it regularly and i um i but i i write a lot of stand up um sure. and and there's something too like like ma- like crafting that and and working on that and um having played good starring hands it feels like that same kind of thing but not funny it feels um, it feels important in a weird way. Uh, <laughs> if if that's you know, um, well, the game's about saving the world, so yeah. I, I hope that uh, it comes across as important in the game, and that people, when they play it, that they that they kind of get into that mindset that this isn't just an adventure. That's just one of many adventures that your fantasy characters are going on. You are like you are literally every step that you take in this adventure, even if it's just a one shot in every story that you play in a campaign is, is working toward making sure your world and everything that you care about survives. 
Let's yeah, let's let's talk about like the the big the big pitch of it. So um, if you know, so our audience can kind of get an idea. Um, and it is it as as of this release, it is on Kickstarter. So um, you know, we'll have links in the show notes and all that fun stuff. But uh, yep. but go for it. Um, sure. Well, good strong hands. Uh, it's a fantasy tabletop role playing game where you are portraying um, fantastic creatures and their, uh, human allies from earth who come to this world, um, to save this, your world, um, which is called reverie from destruction by a faceless malevolent force known as the void, Mm -hmm. um, which is just a renaming of, uh, the nothing from never ending (laughs) story. Um, and there's other, there are other fantasy stories that have had that, you know, that pervading, um, sort of everywhere force of darkness that is trying to to destroy everything. I Means that's what Sauron is sure. um, in Lord of the Rings. It just happens to be in the movie. He happens to be an eye <laughs> on top of a tower, but in the books, I mean, he's just like this ephemeral thing that's trying to destroy the faceless um, big bad. Yeah, yeah. And so you're fighting against that. Um, it draws inspiration from obviously Neverending Story, Legend, Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, Willow, all those sorts of mostly like they're a lot of them are very whimsical fantasy movies. They're a little more lighthearted, although they do have their dark moments um, that are just kind of like part of my, my youth and growing up. And I think uh, a lot of other people, um, you know, share a fondness for those stories. So I thought I'd make a game that is a fantasy game that hits some of that sort of thing, but then give it a twist of there's uh, the darkness actually has in game effect where, as you're uh, striving to to save the world and to vanquish the void, you are proving yourself to be a hero, and the void notices that and tries to corrupt you and to turn you into one of its agents. Mm-hmm. So you're having to work. You know, you you have to you either resist the void or maybe you accept a little bit of it and it, you get some power out of it. You're going to walk that line, but you don't want to walk the line too close because you could potentially have your character fall completely. Um, and uh, that's when you uh, hand your character sheet to the GM and you don't get to play that character anymore because they have become a dark version of themselves. So um, yeah, that's the basics of the game. Great. What um, we're like, obviously, you know, you talked about the influences and, and whatnot. What, what made it, at what point were you like, this is a game that I have to like get out uh, into the, the universe? Well, it was weird because I've, I've made a few different games and they're all in non-fantasy genres. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I told myself, like since I started doing stuff with Nerdburger Games, I was like, I'm not going to make a fantasy game unless I find like a really interesting hook for a type of game that either doesn't exist or isn't, you know, it's you you, it, you have a hard time finding it or maybe it was something like some sort of game like that was made once but it's out of print and so nobody could find it um and i wasn't gonna make a traditional kind of swords and sorcery medieval fantasy because there's a hundred of those and mm-hmm. you know if it, with every possible type of system that you can think of so there's you know every type of world every, every different little uh, bent on that so it just kind of floated for a while until i um i was watching legend um you know well over a year ago um and i was like oh this is like a great little fantasy story and 
Um, it's got this great big, you know, big bad guy and a little, he, he's got minions and we've got a hero that's out to do the right thing. And there's mystical, you know, unicorns and um, he, the hero's got allies. There are all these like weird, fantastical creatures. And I was like, well, we could make a game that does that. And so I started just, you know, kind of toying with that idea. Um, and then eventually it shaped itself over, um, over the course of many months um, into what, you know, the kind of game has become, which is also um, like I took the, I took the tack of like, I'm going to set this apart from your typical D and D ish style stuff. There are no elves, no dwarves, no gnomes, no halflings, no ogres, goblins, um, orcs, hobgoblins, gnolls, no drow. Um, there are dragons because you know, you got to have a dragon. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, and there are some other creatures, but then you're playing, um, you know, brownies and pixies and um, like stone elemental type creatures. And um, like, there's a, there's a, a type of a folk that you can play in the game that is kind of based on Sir Didymus from Labyrinth, the little wolf guy or the little, uh, little mm-hmm. fox guy. Um, and so, and humans are there, but they are the oddity. They are, they're from earth to, and they've come to reverie reverie doesn't have a native human population so humans are kind of weird and they're the minority mm-hmm. um and so it's uh like creating a world that didn't have as much of the baggage that's associated with some of those uh some of those other uh, fantasy races like i didn't mm-hmm. you know like people aren't gonna necessarily say oh you know like if somebody plays a dwarf like a lot of people are just gonna go in they're gonna snap into D dwarf mindset like well, well what's a dwarf like exactly what D D um tells you a dwarf is like right um so i picked i picked you know types of creatures that you could play that don't have as much of that baggage there um and and avoided utilizing the bad guy creatures so to speak um because there's baggage associated with all of them, mm. you know, orcs and drow and everything have a lot of history and kind of where they came from and how they were devised by fantasy authors and what they were supposed to represent. And it's like, ah, pff, throw that all away. Just, I don't want to, let's let, let's let, um, you know, let the, the, the folk that you can play could also be the bad guys because mm-hmm. some, some of them have decided to ally themselves with the void for whatever reason. And mm-hmm. then you can throw in other things like, you know, um, you know, just monstrous animals and beasts and things that just, um, you know, function by instinct. And you can throw in the weird stuff like undead and stuff that can be kind of mindless and killing machines. Sure. Sure. Um, but you're not, you're not dealing with like, there's no overtly monumentally evil race in the mm. game yeah which which is something that i i noted um in in playing it i i really dug the idea that like here's this tracker on your on your sheet um that is telling you um you know you can get corrupted by the void and then you're meeting people that are corrupted by the void or you know like and, and it's kind of like it 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 makes that uh, feel a little bit more real. One of the things that I've that I noted about a lot of your influences is um, when I was real young. You know, obviously I watched those. I, I mean, I loved Legends. Um, uh, I watched the Neverending Story and, and like all those movies. But one of the things that I feel like I learned from those was that it's okay to feel despair um, as long as 
as long as you know you know that there can be hope as well you know like um never in a story is the one i always think of is like you know i know exactly where you're going yeah <laughs> and it's a, it was a big moment for me when i first saw the never ending story it's it's you know and people will talk about that like like oh my god it was traumatizing but it's like but but there there's hope there like like that's kind of what i learned is like like yeah things can get really bad but you can you can keep trying to make it better we're talking um, about our tax right yes yes yeah okay yeah. so it, spoilers hey everybody it's a 35 year old movie <laughs> um when when atreyu loses our tax when our tax drowns it's just like yeah. i remember watching that for the first time i was like atreyu and his, his trusty steed and he's the hero and he's going to do all the great stuff and now the horse is dead yeah yeah and, and atreyu could not save his best friend yeah what the hell did i just watch it, it, it is it's heartbreaking it is absolutely heartbreaking it's right there with um you know we see it in in the uh, you know a decade or so ago with with both gandalf's fall mm-hmm. um and the and the the grief after that and with uh boromir oh yeah dying. and the, and then the hopefulness that has to rise to the surface as the characters continue on um you know, like for, 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 for the younger generations who are thinking of like, okay, that's the, the heart wrenching moment um, from a fantasy movie. Like that was in that with that for them, for, you know, for a movie that's more recent for never ending story for a lot of us, that was, yeah, that was a big deal. That was the moment. I mean, um, even to the point where like legend had, you know, the corruption scene where, where she is like totally corrupted. And it was like, no, what hope do they have? Like, like I don't know. I feel like yeah. like all of those kind of had those moments of like the, her- the heroine like loses herself to to darkness to the you know the big devil. Yeah, <laughs> Tim <It's>, Curry. <laughs> and that's what it is. It's it's the the good guys actually have lost, and then it's like, but no, you can you can do more. And um, I I I feel like like you can adequately uh good strong hands feels like you can adequately do that um so i hope so it's it's freeform enough and and the the gm and the players are kind of creating the world together um so that you can you can insert things that um are sad you can put something into the game that is very sad like if you're playing the game and you're playing a pixie you could decide that there's only 20 pixie left in the world for whatever reason and that can be a very sad thing and it have a lot of pathos attached to it um because i don't decide in the game book how many pixie there are and how many and how they function and what their society is like and whether they have a religion or Mm -hmm. whatever so you can you can make that what you want it to be and so you can do that with the world you can do that with the other folk that are out there you can do that with your characters you can do that within the, the confines of the story that you're telling um and you know, there, there will be people who will play the game and they'll keep it light and whimsical and they won't really fiddle too much with the darkness kind of stuff. But then there will be people that will um, take, I hope, take the game as license to go there. Yeah. Occasionally. Yeah. And have that really deep, uh, gut-wrenching, heartbreaking moment. Yeah. It, well, I, it, 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 one of the, I think the, the, the whimsical nature of the, of the, of the the character archetypes that you present um and the way it's presented almost gives people that permission to go there um because it's not 
it's 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 uh you know it's it's like pixie on pixie violence like it's not (laughs) you know it's it, it because it's not if it was just like orcs or something like that i think people will often um quote unquote dehumanize those 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 races as you were talking about yeah absolutely um and you can you, know, you can ki- you can kill an orc with no uh consequences you know yeah. to, and and you know i'm not saying that's wrong or right i'm but i'm saying that they're like that's a simple way to do it and that, that yeah. there are more complex ways to do it um and that was part of the reason that you know no standard like you know, like i said no dwarves or elves or anything like that because you know the assumption is there's well there's forests full of elves yeah like yeah. there's elves everywhere there's a bunch over there there's a bunch over there and that forest every forest has a bunch of elves in it yeah and and it's, and, and, and they're eternal and they all live seven they all live to be 700 years old and you know like elves are never going to completely go away but if you've got the void that's coming in and wiping out the world like why aren't the elves gone like right you know maybe, maybe they are right <laughs> or, or whatever yeah. rate whatever whatever folk you're using whatever people that you're using like you could you could play a campaign of this and have like literally like whole populations get, you know, destroyed. Yeah. Um, disappear as, as part of the story um, or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, it, but the, but it's, it, it, it's, it's available as an option because there's not a pers- there's, there's nothing written in the game that says this is how it is. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that's, there's less, I, not nothing, but there's less that's built into the the game as far as tropes and expectations of certain uh, fantasy creatures has have you um in in your experience um with with playtesting this um have you run into any issues with with players taking part in the world building process um not really it's like some players will some players are more vocal at the table in general in any game right any game yeah um and so some will get into creating and helping to build the world more than others will and mm-hmm. some some just won't necessarily get into it that much or they'll need a little more prompting from the gm they'll need permission they'll feel like they need permission like the gm asks you a question oh well now i can answer that question and help fill in this blank in the world mm-hmm. so the game is built on the idea that the players can build these things with the, with the GM. The GM is supposed to ask questions. Um, in the game book, there are story schemes, which are like two-page adventures. And part of what's in there is questions for the GM to ask that is intended to kind of help nudge the players into that uh, kind of mindset of be like, you're going to help me build the world here. You're going you're gonna to fill in some of the details. The hope being that if the players are filling in the details of this world, they are helping to build their version of reverie and then they're going to save it and that hopefully they are more invested in saving the world because they had a hand in making it yeah yeah as opposed to saving my world that craig campbell designed for them to save (laughs) right right well that's and that's a um it's it's such a cool thing to to have to have prompts instead of blocks of text you know there there is no uh there is no box text (laughs) anywhere in the book let me think do i have anything in there that you you're supposed to read out loud to other people i don't think there's anything like that (laughs) there's questions to ask yeah 
Yeah. There's, there's no, there's no paragraph of like, well, this is how you describe this area. Yeah. This is what this person looks like. This is where these candles are located. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, did, do you have any, do you have any advice for, for anybody that's, that's running this? Um, do you have any advice for kind of, uh, uh, getting maybe, um, more hesitant players to open up? Um, you know, it, it basically kind of like, I guess, uh, helping to even out that, that difference. You know, if you've got a couple players that are super vocal and a couple players that are more hesitant, like, do you have any advice for balancing that out a little bit? Um, I would say that like GMs could do with that similar to what they might do with players that like to role play more and are more vocal in describing their character and speaking in character and so forth, as opposed to players who tend to be more reserved and they just describe what their character does very matter of factly Mm -hmm. um, and don't necessarily embellish or get into playing, you know, uh, speaking as the character is to give players the, give them, give them all the opportunity to do that. Make sure you go around and you're asking the questions of all the players. Um, But also, if a player, if you ask, a, if you ask a person, and this happened, this has happened actually a couple times with playtesting. Um, if I asked somebody a question to fill in, and they felt on, you know, like they were maybe they maybe they felt a little on the spot, and suddenly they just you know brain freeze, and they just they didn't know what to answer, and they couldn't suddenly they just couldn't come up with a good idea. Um, and just reassure them and say, okay, I mean, we can we can we can throw that to somebody else, you know, just you know. Yeah. If a, play, if a player is kind of stymied and not sure what they want to say to to help fill out something, t- take it off of them. Don't just leave it. Don't leave the weight on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everybody yeah. stare at them and wait for them to answer a question. Like if they if they take a little while to kind of formulate something, um, if they if they feel like if it feels like they're they're drawing away from the table a little bit, like they're, um, yeah, just you know, just give them permission to like say no it's okay you don't have to fill in that question we can ask somebody else yeah yeah create that safety space yeah absolutely yeah um that's good and, and i find that when you when you do that eventually they they those players will feel comfortable contributing and if you're, and if you're playing in a campaign you're playing multiple sessions if you're paying attention as a GM, eventually you'll find everybody's sweet spot. You'll find out like, okay, this person's going to say two or three things. When they say those things, they're important. Mm-hmm. Make sure that they come, you know, make sure that I use those things in the game because these, this person's only going to, you know, give me that a couple of times a session. This person over here is going to talk a lot and they're going to have a lot to say and make sure, you know, incorporate some of what they're doing, but don't let it become all about them. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Speaking of, of campaigns, actually, that's that's another thing I wanted to kind of really dig in on. Um, I played a one shot of this, obviously. Um, the the idea of like this feels like automatically it it, it can be a campaign game um, because of the the subject matter. I mean, it's you know that's a big thing. Like saving the world is a big big deal um yeah it, it could very easily be something that takes a long time that's i was gonna ask like like you know have, have do you kind of foresee that this is the kind of thing where you can do the one shot or you could do the short campaign or you could do the long long-term campaign 
Um, yeah, the, that was uh, kind of designed into the game was that like you can tell a one shot that is going to like, okay, the void's doing this thing, this bad thing's happening. You can go in there, you can save these people or rescue this situation or make sure this town doesn't get destroyed or vanquish this minion of the void or whatever. Um, and that has a, um, like you, you've done the good thing for that area or that people or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a story. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a story of the ongoing struggle against the void. And here's, (laughs) here's a chapter in that story, or you can play a a shorter campaign if that's all you've really got in you or that's all people really want to do. Um, or you can play really long. Um, you know, let it, let it really stretch out, let people fill those, tracks up and gain corruptions and, be, and get closer and closer to possibly losing characters and then have somebody have their character fall to the void and have to play a different character and maybe there's a way to get that character back and redeem them mm-hmm. um you know there's a lot that can be done with that uh, that sounds that that sounds it sounds so meaty and juicy like that sounds like such such a thing that would be fun to fun to 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 play around in um I, I I love a good like long campaign with a big narrative, uh, and that that sounds like just the thing. Um, uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, let's let's talk a little about the the Kickstarter itself. Sure. Um, so um, you're launching on the 22nd of September, um, uh, which is uh, maybe a couple days ago or might be today, depending on when somebody's listening to it. Um, right. Uh, and, you're, and you're going through, is it 30 days? It'll be like a 30-day one, yeah. It'll go to yeah. the 22nd of October, which is a Thursday. Awesome. Um, do you want to talk about the different levels? Uh, the backer tiers, sure. Um, it's, it's fairly straightforward. Um, there's a, there's a, a $20... Uh, tier that gets you the PDF and any stretch goals, you know, like basically the game is, the game is done, designed, ready to go. It's a matter of um, like the, the, the funding goal is to kind of get the smallest version of the game. Like here's, here's the slim version where we've, we've paid this much for art and we paid this much for layout. Mm-hmm. Um, and then stretch goals will add more stuff to it and allow, you know, put more art in there to accompany that and you know, do layout and everything. Um, so there will be stretch goals to kind of fatten the book up. So $20 is PDF. Um, there's a $40 tier that gets you the PDF and then also a hardcover. Um, and uh, uh, a $60 tier that's uh, a PDF with a signed Kickstarter exclusive cover, hardcover, um, which is being designed like today. <laughs> As, uh, and this is like a little bit before the campaign. Like As this is being recorded, yeah. Yeah, and that's going to be like, if things go well and the game does well enough, the idea will we'll start as, as a POD book, print on demand, and do that uh, sort of a hardcover. And if it does well enough with, uh, with total backing dollars and with number of people actually getting a book, then we'll shift up to doing an actual offset print run and we'll get like a sewn binding, like really nice, super sturdy, book that's going to have a little more oomph and it'll, it'll be prettier in general just because you know, you know just better um materials and and better color mm-hmm. um and so but then they'll be like you know the, that exclusive kickstarter hardcover um like that I, I'll, I'll print enough for the people who are getting the book and yeah. then you know a few copies for myself and that's it nobody gets to buy them afterwards um and then there's uh, a tier that 
is uh, the premium tier, which is up there in the triple digits, um, where in the game there's um, what I call story schemes, which are like two-page adventures. Mm. Um, and they describe the basics that, you know, here's the skeleton of an, of an adventure. Here's basically what the little bit of the history that leads you into it, what's going on, what the characters need to do, um, questions to ask the players, um, and then a series of, of inspirations for like, here's NPCs and, and adversaries that you might run into. Here are locations that you might come across. Here are some of the different types of challenges that you might incorporate into this, along with some of those challenges being fleshed out a little more. Um, and with the, with the, the premium tier, the, the, it's called Historic Hero, um, the backer will help me design a trilogy of thematically linked um, uh, um, a story scheme. So you'll have a beginning, middle, and an end to an overall story that is all kind of tied together in some sort of theme. And um, then in addition to that, there will also, we'll, we'll build, like in the, the, the backer will have input at a, at a, a few different points, but I'll, you know, I'll, des I'll design it with their involvement basically. Mm. And then there will also be information that's like, oh, okay, and here's how you can take some of these other story schemes and incorporate them into this to make a longer campaign. And here mm. are ideas for other things that you can invent whole cloth with just like, you know, uh, inspirations and story seeds that you can incorporate into this so you could take that trilogy and turn it into a short campaign or turn it into a long campaign mm -hmm. um and I, I i kind of like the idea of the trilogy even standalone the trilogy is kind of neat like that's yeah, yeah. A, that's a nice round like you know given that the that the, that this game is movie inspired um like literally having a trilogy you know um yeah, it is a nice way to play the game if you want to just play three sessions and say, okay, here's, we set everything up and then there's like the middle act where everything kind of goes to hell. <laughs> um, and then the third act where everybody racks, you know, wraps it all up and things go better and, and you vanquish uh, the void and save the day. And, um, and then someday your great, great grandchildren have to do it again because the <laughs> void keeps coming back. Cause it keeps going back. Um, that's amazing. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's really cool. Um, I, I I love so much when Kickstarters have like game design tiers. Like it's such a cool thing to 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 be able to offer to people because you know if if, if you're paying attention to Kickstarter on a on a regular basis, there's a good chance you want to design stuff. But where do you start? Well, you know. <laughs> Right. And I think the, I think having it themed helps nicely for, I hope backers that back at that tier will find that really fun because they can say like, okay, well, I know basically what this game is about, but I want to do, I want to do like the high heroic version of the game where it's mm -hmm. like every, all the characters are bright and shining examples of goodness and light. And so you can build a trilogy that that's what it's all about. And they're all, you know, paladin like, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, super good characters. You can have a theme that's everything's kind of down and dirty and you can have a theme where like um, the void is like this close to winning right now. Mm -hmm. How are we going to claw out from the rubble and, and actually manage to pull this off? Um, I've got a series of, idea, you know, um, possible themes and then that I'll, that I'll offer up to the, um, to the backer. And then the backer can also suggest like if they have an idea for something thematic. To yeah. tie through the three stories. 
Yeah, that's cool. I, I the the collaboration. That's that's just a cool idea. It'll be fun. Um, and it's going to take a few months to get the game together, so we'll have time to crunch through that all with uh with with uh it's it's limited to five backers, so. Yeah. You know, I, 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 keep it I was reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask as many as possible. Oh no. No, um, no, five is plenty. Five is lots. <laughs> five is yes, five no, five is uh That's 15 that's 15 you know, that's 15 two-page adventures plus yeah. the, the support, you know, Which, a couple of pages of support for each one. By the way, for everybody not at that level, if you get all five, that's a lot of content for <laughs> them to, to you know, to get with this game. So that's really awesome, too. Yeah, it's like um, 40. If, if, everybody, if, if all those backer tiers get taken, that's like another 40-plus pages Yeah, in the book. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, well, fantastic. Um, so that's going on right now what's uh what what's what's next for you <laughs> um oh boy i've been toying around with a few different things um the we talked about capers briefly and like the the capers game takes you from the 20s to the 40s to the 60s um and i have some stuff kind of written and i've got a lot to go um but to take the uh to take capers to um, a more modern era and turn it into a cyberpunk game. Um, because if you, if you pay attention to uh, the, the, the previous game and supplements there, there is, there's the beginning of mega, well, not so much mega corporations, but there's the beginning of capers being um, a controlled class of people. Like there's a there's a there's a national registry that you're supposed to be on if you've got superpowers, um, and uh, by the time you get to Capers Covert in the '60s, like if you're not registered, you're considered a rogue agent, and there's you know potential repercussions for that. Now take that and progress that a little, you know, several decades further. Um, have Dystopia. A, have, have megacorps rise. Yeah. Um, have uh, them usurp a lot of the power of of the government. Um, and and have capers these superpowered people basically become second class citizens um in terms of uh you know wanting to be controlled and monetized by the megacorps mm -hmm. so i'm working on that i'm not sure when that will happen it's a lot to write <laughs> that's that's a big yeah that's um, a bigger that, that that book will be bigger than capers um, yeah. Even in its smallest version, it'll be bigger than than the, the first Capers book. Um, got an idea for a game that's um, essentially like Stephen King, the story. Uh, Stephen King, the 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 role playing game. Um, mm -hmm. Like you know, a small town with you know weird horror and stuff going on. Um, and I think what's probably going to be the 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 next thing. In in uh, you got a chance to to try this out. Um, a few days back <laughs> is um, a game called low stakes, which is uh, basically it's what we do in the shadows, the role-playing game with the serial numbers filed off. Yeah. So you're playing vampires and werewolves and uh, humans and ghosts and whatnot living um, in the modern day and being very out of place and uh, not very good at just living day-to-day -day normal mundane lives. Um, and that's a, that's a heavily improvisational game that's kind of built around just failing yeah, <laughs> a yeah. lot. Like the, like you, you, your, your character should succeed on some stuff, but they all, every character has problem areas, has things that they're just not very good at. 
um, based on the archetype that you're playing. And so you're, you're going to fail a bunch <laughs> at some of those things. And um, it's got a certain level of, of humor um, and, you know, potentially cringy humor, which mm-hmm. is normally a little bit of a for me, um, but it's there. <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it's a question of how you decide to play it in the game. Um, but yeah, like, you know, your, your characters are, are not very good at living in the real world. They're petty. Um, they're, they're, they're not very good, um, at socializing with anybody that isn't a monster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and they have, and they have all their monster baggage that they're dealing with. Um, that was, uh, yeah, we, we, that, that it was the first play test of that, that we yeah. did. Right. Um, and, um, Lots that, of problems we found. <laughs> we we found well. Then that's the thing. You know, that's that's hey, it's the first play test. Of course, yeah, you're yeah. going to. Um, but I will say, like conceptually, I'm just I'm I so love that. <laughs> it's such a cool idea. I'm um, looking forward to, to developing it further, and I think that'll probably that'll be a real small little, like zine sized kind of thing. It'll mm-hmm. be you know thirty something pages, very simple rules, a bunch of archetypes. And then a bunch of scenarios. Like when we play tested, we we played the the scenario called host a party, <laughs> and the characters. That was literally the whole event, the whole story was. It took about an hour to play, and the characters tried to host a party, and things yeah. went poorly. Oh, so poorly. <laughs> oh well, your character murdered. Your character had not fed for two days and murdered a uh, a party goer like <laughs> almost immediately. By the um, way, you and, know. Did, and then did a terrible job at hiding the body. Um, <laughs> And uh, accidentally made them in, made made this woman into a vampire. Yeah, who yeah. then came back to uh, cause problems at the end. And I and just just so everybody out there in listener land knows, uh, the role that I had was caregiver. So this is a game <laughs> about failure. <laughs> yeah, he was playing the uh, the caregiver character. Who? <laughs> well, it's you almost you kind of fit the role actually because the caregiver archetype is like they're all about helping other people they never notice their own problems they never they don't take care of themselves properly they don't think about their own consequences they just constantly try to help other people and so they end up biting their you know but everything ends up biting them in in their own ass um yeah concerns them and so like, like this character just like you know wasn't thinking and yeah, <laughs> I it, that it, I it, it it worked, um it worked to to make me laugh at at failing at a game, which is a which is a thing that you know if you play role playing games for a long time is is hard to do. So um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. Failure is uh, great. I love failure. Failure can be fun. Um, <laughs> so um. Well, fantastic. Uh, I'm going to uh, encourage everybody out there to check out uh, Good Strong Hands on Kickstarter right now. Um, back at, uh, at, at the highest level that's left. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, and check out. Or, or the, at whatever you can afford. Or, or whatever you can afford, yes. Um, it's fine, too. Yes. Um, uh, uh, also check out um, uh, Craig's other stuff, nerdburgergames.com. Yep, nerdburgergames.com. Um, stuff's available at drivethroughrpg.com. However, if you do check out the Kickstarter um, and you decide to back that, don't go and buy the games over at the other outlets. There are add-ons in the Kickstarter. You can get um, 
the other game books um, generally at a discount, like at oh. a cheaper price than what is being offered um, via drive-through or my web store. Very cool. So that's, that's an, another way to help uh, fund this game um, and get you some other interesting, cool, fun games too. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and they're, they're great designs. I actually have um, immediately behind me. Oh, just out of reach. I have uh, capers um, space. I, I, the capers off world off world. Thank you. <laughs> the purple um, one. Yeah, I like it. I just call it Capers in Space. Yeah, um, this. <laughs> space but, um, Gangsters. Space Gangsters, um, which is so cool. But uh, um, so, yeah, so check out all Craig's stuff. Um, uh, thank you, Craig, for being on um, the first episode of the new season of The Lounge. Uh, thank you for coming back. Thank you for having me. Of course. You are always welcome in The Lounge. All right, I'll see you next week. <laughs> we'll talk about how the Kickstarter is going. Yay! <laughs> um, hey, you, you know, you joke, but um, <laughs> I think that would be a really cool thing. <laughs> but, um, but in the meantime, um, we have our motto here. Do you remember it? Oh, boy. It's okay if you don't. Um, I'm sorry. That's I okay. Like I always bad, like... Bad, I, bad person. <laughs> I always like to, uh, to uh, have our guests... Um, tell the audience to uh, to keep it classy. So, if you would mind, um, if you wouldn't mind doing the honors. Oh, sure. Hey, everybody listening to the lounge, keep it classy. Nice. <laughs> you can and, make that, and I and I give you permission as long as Jesse says it's okay as well to make that like a ringtone or a notification dinger or something like that too. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that out whenever somebody sends you a text. Keep it classy. Directed Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs, with lots of great shows like this one. Misdirected Mark. Chris, Phil, Bob, and Camden go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. The Lounge Theme. And So It Begins by Artificial Music is used under Creative Commons 3.0. Support Contessa at Contessa.rocks. Find your host, Jesse Doc Edmund, at Doc Palindrome on Twitter. All the links from this episode can be found in the episode description.